I'm Missy Coffey from EC DataWorks. On today's episode, we continue a series on building resilient analytics for an ECIDS. Today's topic is going to focus on positionality of the work and the teams within organizations and how multiple state agencies work together to share leadership. And I'm Phil Serenides joining Missy uh, to really talk about this important topic. There are at least two different ways that, that you and I have um, thought about positionality of the work. One deals with the governance, uh, especially as these systems span multiple agencies as they integrate that information. It becomes very important to think not only where does the technology decide, but what's the decision-making authority for the different agencies. And then we also talk about the team structures. The work is multidisciplinary, and apart from needing very different skill sets to do this effectively, you have to keep that in balance and a, a perspective between technology, between leadership, between the um, various program needs, the stakeholder needs. So when you, when you add this all up, it can be confusing as to who's driving the bus on any given day, organizationally and individually. Which goes against a lot, I think, of the way that early childhood has been organized, right? But as we're seeing this shift towards more of the system building and kind of cross-agency work, I think the ECIDS is one of those tools that's helping to have those uh, that support the conversations about governance across multi-agency teams. I agree. Uh, governance becomes very important, especially when you're thinking about cross-agency work, especially when you're considering the different phases of, of activity to design, develop, implement, support an ECIDS. And to start us off, I recently had a chance to speak with Della Jenkins about this. Della is the Executive Director of Actionable Intelligence for Social Policy. Uh, she oversees uh, their, their partnership work uh, with many states and uh, jurisdictions, including municipalities, working toward uh, IDS, including uh, related to state early childhood. So let's listen in. So glad to be speaking with you, Della. Uh, could you just please tell me a little bit about AISP and, and your work to support integrated data systems? Sure. Thanks, Phil. AISP is an initiative based at the University of Pennsylvania's School of Social Policy and Practice, and we help state and local governments share data across agencies so that they can better serve their clients. So we convene, we connect, we consult with these cross-agency teams that are uh, working to build the relationships and the infrastructure to link data at the individual level, and then to use it collaboratively to inform decision-making. So every data sharing effort we work with looks a little bit different in terms of the scope of their data sharing, what data is being shared, how and for what, um, and what stakeholders are involved in that process. Um, and they even have different names for what they're building. So we generally talk about integrated data systems, IDS, and, you know, in the early childhood world, ECIDS. But now we're increasingly talking a little more broadly about data sharing in general, and some of our efforts um, call themselves data hubs or data collaboratives. So there are lots of words for this. But at the end of the day, whatever it's called and whether it's at the state or the local level, the goal is always more holistic information for decision making. So generally, the efforts that we support at the state level are uh, larger and some of them are based within um, one agency that's leading efforts, uh, such as a health and human service agency, where there are lots and lots of programs under that umbrella. 
that are all working on sharing data um, to inform decision-making. Or they could be, at a state level, a more centralized infrastructure. So some states are building a whole shop, a whole you know agency um, or office in and of itself that's designed to serve as kind of the data infrastructure and data support for other agencies and help to standardize how data sharing happens um, and how agencies connect with um, their peers to better understand the clients that they both serve. Some of the initiatives we work with are actually mostly staffed by university partners. So in particular, at the local level, sometimes the city or county government doesn't have as much analytic capacity um, as they would like. And so they partner with the university, and that university helps to lend the technical expertise and some of the research chops um, and works with city uh, staff to better understand the data that the city has to leverage um, and help them pull insights out of that data. And I wonder, although so many um, agencies are beginning in different starting places, they have different uh, resources and assets and interests, perhaps, do you see them going in sort of a common direction? I think the desired end state is very different depending on the the jurisdiction. But I do think there are some commonalities in terms of the reasons that both states, counties, and cities are moving in the direction of building shared data capacity. So there's a general um, desire to better understand the the complex needs of, of kids and families. And I think to better be able to allocate resources where they're needed most to improve services. And then long-term to evaluate that decision-making, those policies, those programs have impacted the children and families. So I think those are all major motivating factors. How significant do you think it is to sort of identify the home for these integrated data systems? And what sort of responsibilities do those agencies have, do you think, for for being able to reach out and and, and do the cross-agency collaboration that's required for, for integrated data? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think selecting the right host organization, if you will, is a really important aspect of, of doing this work well. It's something we help cross-agency teams think about quite a bit in the beginning is kind of where is this, where is this effort going to live? So even if you have three or four or 10 agencies at the table who are going to be contributing data regularly, um, it is important to start from an understanding of who's going to staff the governance process, who's in the, the best position to really serve as the convener for all of the other partners, and then who's going to staff the technical infrastructure, um, who's well-suited to build off their existing technical capacity to do the linkage, and then also who's going to lead on the analysis. And sometimes sites choose a host agency that's going to do all three of those things, and other times those roles and responsibilities are actually um, split across partners. So it might be that a government agency or a mayor's office runs the governance and um, and kind of leads the priority setting, the agenda setting and analysis, but then there's a technical partner who's brought in to do some of the linkage. So it doesn't have to always be one entity, but those decisions are important because they come down to capacity um, and also trust. Um, and so we generally counsel people that trust is really one of the, the very first pieces to consider here. Are Is the entity in a position to 
to act as a, as a really neutral convener and, and um, to build trust with all of the other partners that they're going to be leading this process to, to build a shared vision across, across programs. So I wonder how you, would, how you would sort of position early childhood in its uh, development and use of integrated data systems relative to some of the other sectors that I know you've been very involved in as it relates to perhaps housing or, or you know, opioid epidemic, et cetera, um, just in terms of efforts to, to really pull together early childhood data, which is data that we know often um, spread across many agencies. Yeah, I think early childhood is actually a particularly hard sector to do this work in because of that kind of decentralization that you're you're referencing. So I think there, you know, there have been major um, investments in that at the federal level um, in ESIDs and SLDS. And, you know, what we see is that um, those have certainly had an impact. And I think what we what we need is really sustained funding and effort there to to continue to move those those projects forward. So um, we see a whole lot of interest across the sites we work with in early childhood. It's one of the top policy priorities that they're interested in addressing. And you know, I think it's important to differentiate between there's the challenge, and it is a challenge, of sharing data on young children across early childhood programs. And then there's the added challenge, which many of the sites we're working with are attempting, which is then taking that data and linking it to, as you said, other systems. So public health, child welfare, housing. So this is an area that there's a lot of room for growth, but also a lot of interest and excitement. When you just think about um, some of the major components that go into successful data systems, you know, three big ones um, are the technical challenges, you know, how to integrate it, the analytic challenges, what do you do with the data once it's integrated, and then sort of the decision-making challenges. And I wonder how you would sort of maybe rank those three in terms of where we've had success and where we need to see more progress. I would say that in general, we tend to see the technical challenges as being easier uh, for many sites to overcome than the relational and analytic and decision-making challenges, which maybe is counter to what some folks might uh, assume. I think, you know, the technology uh, for data linkage and data sharing and analytics in general is evolving so rapidly. Uh, There's been a lot of advancements over the past five, 10 years. And so while it's, it is consistently challenging, I think, for, uh, for agencies to feel like they're at the cutting edge technologically. I think generally where where people are running into more barriers is in using whatever technology they have and getting creative enough to pull out analytic insights from that and make decisions. And and generally that's the advice we give people is not to start with overhauling your whole technology infrastructure, but to to start with extracting what you can from what you have and thinking about creative ways to use that analytically and in conversation with with other data sets. So not to let the perfect be the enemy of the good in terms of technology. Um, in terms of the, the other pieces, the, the analysis and the decision-making, I think it's easy for, for sites, for analysts within government to get caught up in um, really advanced use cases or to be 
intrigued by, you know, things like predictive analytics, these really exciting methods that can be super helpful. Uh, There's lots of cool things we can do with predictive models. But I always caution uh, folks that there are also a lot of insights that can be gained by simply doing much less exciting, but, but equally impactful things like um, descriptive analysis across programs um, to understand characteristics, to understand multi-system involvement. And so I think we usually try to help jurisdictions think about what are those kind of low-hanging fruit, really actionable questions that can be answered that would demonstrate the value of data sharing quickly and effectively? And how do we use those to change policy and practice in a kind of rapid cycle so that that starts to inspire um, other partners to get involved and, and build trust that can then be used to, to justify investments in more advanced technology, more advanced analytic capacity, uh, and more data sharing overall. Now, thinking about 10 years or more of experience at that AISP, and you, you've been working on this uh, for, for quite a while, I'm sure you have um, seen things that worked and, and certainly perhaps some projects that were not as successful as, as everyone had hoped. And so I wonder what lessons from your national work you, you would think would be uh, shareable and also applicable to early childhood data in ways that would support program and policy decision making. Sure. So the first thing I would say, the first kind of truism that that I always like to start with is that, and we've, we've talked about this topic a little bit already, is that data, data flows at the speed of trust. So generally, we see that despite the fact that having high-level leadership buy-in and potentially even like a legislative mandate for this kind of work can be really helpful. There's also an element of it that has to be organic. And I think when, you know, things are too top down, it can really stymie efforts, um, creativity and, and trust that is necessary to make this work happen. So I think it's important for jurisdictions that are working towards shared data capacity to invest in conversations upfront about shared priorities, and those will build that trust if it's not already there. And it's important that there's sustained funding and staffing to keep those relationships active, because it's not something that you can build once and then let, you know, run um, on its own. These kind of things take sustained investment and sustained uh, staffing. And time. And time. So much time. (laughs) That's one thing. Um, And I think that goes a long way also towards making sure that we, you know, that we're not building systems that then sit unused because you can integrate, you know, all the data in the world. And if it's not useful, if it's not in a format, if it's not accessible to the people who need to make decisions with it, it's really not doing much. So my, my colleague, Amy Han Nelson, uh, likes to refer lovingly to certain efforts that that we've tried to support as you know you you never want to end up a data mausoleum you never want to end up somewhere where the data goes to die because that happens and it and it's not because people don't have the best of intentions i think it happens when there's a lot of excitement and investment up front in the the building and then not a lot of um care and feeding for the use so that's that's really important I would also say, um, and I touched on this earlier, I, 
we always recommend that people not think of this primarily as a technology product uh, project. And, um, you know, there are really, really helpful ways that a state IT agency or, you know, other um, technical partners within a jurisdiction can be hugely important um, partners in this work. But often if an effort is solely being driven by IT, um, we lose that connection to how the data will be used at the end of the day by the people who are a little bit closer to the data, the programs, and the people that are being served. Um, so that's another kind of word of caution, I guess. If I could maybe try to phrase what I heard you say, maybe add a little bit and get you to respond. It sounds like two major concerns are that the data would be unused, and then a second would be that the uh, the system is is not sustained. And it sounded to me like you were you were kind of pairing them up with top down and bottom up, such that you know the top down approach can lead to the system being unused or stymied, as you say, whereas bottom-up or, or perhaps even technical-driven could lead to it being unsustained. I, so I, I, I wonder you know, how you see the relationship between leadership and stakeholders bridging all the various disciplinary fields of expertise required. Sort of how, how, how do you bring all that together to make sure the system is both effective and sustainable? That's hard, but it's 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 definitely the goal. I think if leadership can be positioned as, you know, champions of the effort without dictating every nitty-gritty detail of how it be done, I think that is a recipe for success. So we want policy leaders, we want them to feel that that this is something that is positive for them and for the people that they serve. And then to empower the, the folks below them with putting that into practice in a way that matches the realities that they see on the ground. Phil, it was great to hear how Della shared about the work with the partner agencies and how governance plays a role, I really appreciated her comments about trust uh, because we know that from, from our work with states that that is really critical to the success of building and sustaining these systems. That it really, when state agencies are working or it feels like a forced relationship because they might really believe in the importance of the ECIDS, but may not have the social capacity. You know, I love the line that she says, data flows at, a, at the speed of trust, right? I really feel like we, in our state work, we have really seen that to be true. Yes, as we've helped states, watched states develop their analytics uh, and know that the basic information can be a win for state agencies and a step toward the predictive analytic models that some are asking for, it's interesting to think about work not only cross-agency but multidisciplinary. Um, and the resilient ECIDS really does require different perspectives. So when we talk about the positionality of the work and the teams, we're not only looking at the agencies that they reside in and the technical capacity that they have, but we know that the relationships they have uh, with their partners are really, really critical to success. Yes, and it's important very early on to make sure you're addressing the needs of the different partners. Uh, one strategy that I've seen very to be very successful is to have almost sort of a demonstration project that helps you launch the, the, the partnership and the collaboration. If you can agree on some sort of first step, right, of some information needs 
where agencies can collaborate. That sometimes makes it very concrete and tangible in ways that helps move the conversation forward, build the trust, and also build the technology that's required on the back end to make those types of integrated tools possible. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we've said for a long time, right? In this field, a lot of folks have thought about, or at least initially, a lot of the thinking about an early childhood integrated data system, given its name, was that it was an IT project. The goal was to create the system. Well, we now know that it's really more important that the, the use of the data is really a critical part about, you know, in order for it to be actually successful. And so it seems like you know, the programmatic and policy use of the system has been more of a focus over the last couple of years and has been a driver for the success of those states who have an ECIDS and have been able to launch it and use it successfully. It's one of those factors that I really do think helps to build a resilient system. Yeah, let's see, states have had different approaches in selecting the agency to situate the work. Um, even if the governance is shared, cross-agency data work still needs to have a home, and this is important for the physical technology infrastructure and many other things too, like the, who's going to handle procurements and contracts. So for example, in the work in Utah, that's led in their health department and you know some states' governor's office, others' human services. And experiences from states, I think there's, there is no one best solution, as you mentioned. So Give consideration, you know, to, to thinking about where this where this work should reside, based on where's the capacity and what are some relative advantages to that. What we learned from Della, and I think we're seeing this more uh, across the states as they're starting to build this out, is that originally a lot of state agencies had said who is going to be the lead agency, and now states are saying who are the lead agencies for these different tasks. So one agency might be the right. Um, you know, infrastructure kind of partner, the technology partner. Another might be the right lead for the ECIDS component, the programmatic pieces, who has the right relationships across the right agencies to actually pull partners in. There are so many different roles and responsibilities to making this come to life. And as she talks about, the care and feeding of the of the system is really an important part. So I think having more of these programmatic people, and as you mentioned, the analytic support is becoming more and more a necessary part of these team structures, and that is something that each agency can really start to build and, and tap into what they currently have. Yeah, it requires the governance coordination that has the access to mid-level and high-level people within organizations that can communicate, can create continuity over time, and can really bring together multiple teams and agencies. One of the people who does that very well is uh, Dr. Bentley Ponder. I think he's, he's one of a few people that I know of who, who really has developed expertise in many different areas, the technology, the, the policy, the program operations, and also the research and, and um, stakeholder engagement. I was able to talk uh, with Bentley, who's one of our state partners on EC DataWorks, about his team's experience with shared leadership as the lead agency for the ECIDS in Georgia. Uh, they created the system and named it CACTUS, uh, Georgia's cross-agency child data system. Let's listen in. Dr. 
Dr. Ponder. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to speak with you. Um, uh, Bentley is the Deputy Commissioner for Quality Innovations and Partnerships um, in, in Georgia uh, in the DECAL office. Bentley and the Georgia team have been a partner to some of our prior uh, EC DataWorks uh, efforts uh, in, in, in Georgia and other states, and I'm, I'm glad to speak with you again. Georgia's early childhood uh, data system is cross-agency, and it has the idea of integration across agencies right in its name, right? Uh, so DECAL, the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, uh, is the we're, we're the lead agency of of cactus and we oversee you know pretty much the state's birth through five and, and some school age initiatives uh federal and state programs so decal is the lead agency and that means we're the administrative lead uh for cactus but we work with all other agencies and everybody has an equal voice on with cactus so within decal we have data from our georgia's pre-k program we have data from our subsidy program, which is CAPS, Child Care and Parent Services. We're also able to bring in some of our licensing data. Since we have the Head Start Collaboration Office, we work with Head Start programs, and our Head Start Collab Office facilitates that. So we have that data, and then we have uh, you know, some of our other initiatives, like we have a summer transition program. And so we have data from those programs. In addition to DECAL, we have the Georgia Department of Education, DOE, which is separate from DECAL. And in there, we have our special education IDEA Part B Section 619 data. Then I've already mentioned that we have our Head Start data, and that actually represents about 32 agencies. And the lead for that is our Head Start Collaboration Director. We also have the president of the Head Start Association that works with CACTUS. In addition to DECAL and DOE and Head Start, we have the Georgia Department of Public Health, which oversees our IDEA Part C, which in Georgia is Babies Can't Wait. We also have Home Visiting and Children's First, and those are part of IDEA Part C, too. And then we have, uh, we're partnering with our Department of Human Services. And so there we have from DFACS, which is our Division of uh, Family and Children, foster care data. Can you tell us a little bit about how the relationships between those agencies were formed? Sometimes the data integration leads and the agencies start to collaborate, and other times the agencies are already um, working together and it becomes a natural fit to then integrate the data. So can you share with us how the various agencies have been able to work together at an agency level to bring the data into one, into one place? Yeah, so that's primarily been done through data sharing agreements. You know, I think each of us have had opportunities to work together, and there has been some collaboration. Cactus has helped in that collaboration. But I would say, too, that one of the challenges with Cactus is the fact that DECAL is the administrative lead, and that in and of itself has probably given DECAL a bit of an oversized role. And so th there's, there's challenges with that. I mean, the other agencies, other than DECAL, everyone's on the exec team, so they all have a representative that serves on those, that executive team, and all the exec members have an equal vote. Then we also have a research subcommittee, and each agency has researchers who are part of that subcommittee. And then, of course, the IT divisions from the different agencies all work, all work together. 
But, you know, if I'm being honest, the collaboration has been much more about getting the data uh, than it has been about using the data. And that's one of the things, you know, if I had to, you know, had a magic wand and could take us back, I would have done more collaboration around data use at the same time we were working on data gathering. And so I think we've done a really good job of bringing together the data, and I think our data systems have moved forward. And I, I say that because that's the piece that actually I haven't done a lot of work with. So um, that's gone really well. The part that has lagged has been the policy setting and the, the data use. And what I would have done going backwards is I would have integrated that in with the data sharing agreement and have made that a priority. I would have probably picked some type of research project that was cross-agency that all agencies could agree on that then we would be using as we were developing the system so we could, you know, start to think about its functionality and how it could work. And I honestly would have done a lot more stakeholder engagement, not with the agencies as much per se, but with the agency stakeholders. Like, you know, how can this be more useful to you? So I think we overpromised a little bit with our Head Start grantees when we rolled out Cactus. So I think, you know, we've got to do a better job of with our grantees and with our other agencies of saying what the data can be used for and what it should be used for. And uh, we're, we've been working really hard on a policy manual that I think addresses a, a lot of that. So, you know, let's say you're, you know, an agency and you oversee foster care. You send us and, you know, when we work out in our data sharing agreement, how often we receive data. So we receive your data but then we've put things in Cactus where we're able to do some geocoding and we're essentially able to clean up some of that data set and link it to some other things. Then we send that back to you. So even if you're not using Cactus for some cross-agency research, then at least you're able to gain something from it by having this clean data set that's linked to some of the census data and post office, uh, post office address data that I think really helps in doing that shared, shared ownership. One of the challenges for this is when you're not the agency that oversees the, the system, then it becomes a, a, a meeting that somebody attends, but it's not part of their job description per se. So I would say one of the biggest challenges we've had was just the change in leadership at my level. So my predecessor in this role, Kristen Bernhard, uh, she she was a big champion of, of Cactus. She oversaw all of our early learning challenge. When she left, and I'm sure she'll, knowing Kristen, I'm sure she'll listen to this. So, hey, Kristen. Uh, then there was a bit of changing of what that division looked like as I was stepping in. So I had, you know, as we mentioned before, I had so much to learn with Early Head Start and some of these other programs that cactus fell a little bit down further on the priority list. And that led to some lapses. It delayed our policy manual. It delayed some of the different convenings that we had going on. And uh, it, you, I mean, the strategy for overcoming that was just I had to make it a priority. And for me, I made sure that I had two of my four teams working together on it. So it wasn't just one team on it, but it was that collaboration between teams within DECAL both of which uh, had really strong skill sets that complemented each other. And then they've been able to now push that work forward again, and, uh, and it's moving forward. And also then, you know, 
by writing the preschool development grant renewal, and there was such a focus in this renewal application on data, we were able to solidify during the writing of that what are some of the data issues we have with Cactus. There were some things that even I was unaware of that then now we're able to address. So I think, you know, we're going to end up with a better data system than we would have had before, and that'll move the work forward as well. Hey, Phil, that was a great conversation with Bentley, and I always appreciate his honesty, and I think he shares many of the lessons learned. Uh, He also mentioned a few things that he would do differently. Can you share a little bit more about your reflections and thoughts on those? Right. So Georgia, like almost every other state, uh, has experiences that the administrative lead ends up with an oversized role, and that can create challenges. And he talked about really having more collaboration up front and having those expectations of what the participating agencies sort of would contribute built into even some of the the MOUs and and, and some of the the documents that formalize their relationships. And I thought that was that was a an obvious but also profound realization as so many states move quickly or sometimes not so quickly and find that the those who are leading the work end up with everybody else sort of distant in the rear view mirror. And that's a a very real challenge to make sure that you're bringing along everybody each step of the way. And he had some great ideas as to maybe how to how to restructure or how to how to do things differently. Well, I think the idea of bringing them along, right, has been hard for states. And so that I think goes back to this idea of how do you start to distribute the leadership and and across the agencies that are contributing and leveraging the great resources and people's networks that they have to really make this successful. And so we're seeing this shift, right? I think Bentley talked about that, shifting from one agency really controlling all of the work and the, the, the conversations to really distributing that across the multiple agency on, this, on a team structure that represents the, all, all the agencies that are contributing, not just from a governance perspective, but a leadership team structure. Yes, I agree that having clearly defined roles and responsibilities helps a lot. Having perhaps some accountability or expectations about participation, that helps too. But it really also comes down to leadership. And where is the demand for the work coming from? Quite honestly, one of the biggest enablers I've seen, something that has catalyzed change and progress, is a federal grant. As odd as that may sound, I don't know why it is. Sometimes things seem to be very slow or or no progress is being made. And then all of a sudden, if you have a new federal award in which the scope of work or the state plan includes the development or some sort of implementation of of data uh, systems or data initiatives, that gets the wheels rolling. Another thing that also can be very helpful is if you have either the legislature or the governor advocating and pushing. I'd say legislation is is probably the best. If you can get into law something that really moves the system sort of forward or at least defines what it must do, um, that can be so helpful to bringing together agencies and really having the conversation that needs to happen. Leadership is important from wherever you can get it, and governors have had a lot of success 
through their um, secretaries and various appointments to also make sure that things are progressing and that departments are having the conversations and are actually um, sharing data as appropriate. And just quickly to go back to what Bentley had shared in that conversation, a second lesson learned that he highlighted uh, was that IT success uh, doesn't always translate to progress, and he really felt that stakeholder engagement is a key to balancing that out. Yeah, I think, you know, Georgia was one of those early on that leveraged the wonderful work of their SLDS, um, but that means their technology was actually further ahead before they had the stakeholders involved and um, some of the real strong use cases developed, which we've talked about on other episodes. I think Bentley points out something that's really important about not letting the technology get ahead of the, the engagement with the folks who are going to use it and really understanding the purpose of the system. Uh, because he's right. It, it, while it's the idea of having an ACIDS is important, the only thing that really makes it meaningful is that it's being used, right? We talk a lot about that, and that was the mission of a lot of the work we've done on EC DataWorks, is to focus on the use of these systems, not just the creation of them. And so I think Bentley is it's pointing that out, especially as someone who's had the system for a little bit longer than some other states, really is now understanding that that use of the system is heavily dependent on the, the buy-in of the other agencies and the stakeholders who are you know, intended for it to be used by, but not necessarily the technology that was behind it. And so I think their, their kind of pause and stepping back is now really reflective of the, the need in the, of the field. And so Bentley also discusses the role of leadership and governance in the work, right? Um, and the impact when there were changes in leadership, right? When Kristen transitioned to a new role, what impact did that have when you have that champion who was there and is no longer there? I had a chance to chat with Rebecca Gomez, who is a program officer for the Heising Simons Family Foundation. She's also edited a book on early childhood governance and has expertise around adaptive capacity. And this idea is one that's really important and plays a role in the work of the early childhood data systems. I appreciated her perspective on the models for success, and I want you guys to hear it as well. So let's listen in. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Missy. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, when you began working on this book, can you share a little bit of the need that you saw in the field? So the notion of adaptive capacity was something that I observed in my what was my dissertation work. Um, and I brought some of that work into the, the governance book in the chapters that I wrote. And so I wanted to understand if you have a consolidated structure and you have functionality within that structure, things like the authority to make decisions um, around finances, right? So fiscal allocation, the authority to make decisions around staffing, so human allocation, the authority to set standards, the authority to collect data um, and manage that data, use that data to make data-driven policy decisions, the authority to oversee the qualifications for the workforce, so if you have those authorities and you have the ability to hold programs accountable, does that give you as a state agency, as a governance entity, more of an ability to adapt to changes, whether it's turnover, whether it's big changes in the field, instead of having all of those people together within one entity with functions that are enabled, you have to sort of work across these silos and try to coordinate which might work if everyone sort of gets along and has the ability to make changes. 
And so what we saw in those states, and again, I stress, you know, from my former researcher perspective, I have to stress this, this is one qualitative study that looked at two states at a point in time. But what we've seen is that those states are a little bit more able to respond and a little bit more functional. So then a related recommendation, right, is always to build an approach to governance that matches your state context. Pennsylvania's Office of Child Development and Early Learning matches Pennsylvania's ethos of these large consolidated structures. That's how they do government in that state. That would never fly in a New Hampshire, which is somewhat libertarian in its ethos, right? Our state motto is live free or die. It also may not match California's needs, right? California has a very strong ethos of decentralization um, and local control. And so any governance approach will have to take that into consideration, both in functionality and in its form. Data governance is that process of making sure you have those protections in place, as well as making sure you have the systems in place to be able to actually collect the data across different levels and use it to inform policy and practice. Um, so it sounds really simple, but as you well know, it's super complex to do. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> and I think you know, it takes a lot of time, not only on the technical end, but to get that buy-in from agency leaders. So I think, you know, we can really be intentional in supporting states to say, this is what we can do with the resources that you have, with the time that you have. You have to think about how the system works in total and outcomes that you hope to achieve from the system for kids, families, and the workforce. And then you have to really break it down into what are the governance functions that you need to be able to achieve that outcome or those outcomes. And data is always a part of it, right? Because otherwise you don't know, right? If you're not collecting data and, you, and then using that data, you don't know really what you're building. There, That's just the nature of the way early childhood works, right? Which we know. I think the challenge is without those collective priorities, it's really hard to design a system that's going to meet the need of everyone. And so these systems that are out and operational now and are continuing to kind of evolve and go into like phase two and three of their data systems are realizing like we are more successful when we really have some very clearly defined priorities and the data folks are not necessarily the people who are defining that. If we can start with even just a small kind of program connection and integration of two systems, then we can build over time, right? This idea of a phase development um, was a big lesson learned for some of these other states. And so ideas like Texas recently um, worked with EC Data Works to create what we called an expanded school readiness tool, which without an ECIDS, they may not have a full system to be able to answer all their questions, but they had some really critical priorities that their leadership established and said, if you could help us to do this, and when I say leadership, it was the state leadership, it was community leadership, it was school programs came together and said, we had this priority that we all collectively need. Um, if we can have data to inform this, these particular actions that we all have together, then that'll help us to make progress. And so we focused, right, on one specific integration that allowed them to answer some really important kind of critical questions, but it's not everything, but it hopefully will be a launching point. So I think that there's a shift in even the way we're thinking about building these systems. So I think that's interesting. I do too. And I, you know, I, I don't think we can overstate the point that you just made, which is really that this is iterative and incremental oftentimes, right? And and so I think sometimes in part because our field is 
uh, under-resourced because, you know, we have a scarcity mentality for a lot of social programs across the board. We think, okay, this is our one chance to, you know, build a data system, right? We're going to fund it, we're going to build it, and then and then everything will be great. And so this is the other thing that I talk a lot about with governance is that the scope is going to expand and contract over time. And to carry out these functions really well, you will have to resource them. And so one of the earlier sort of hypotheses or arguments in favor of reforming a governance approach was that it was going to be administratively cheaper or more cost effective. It may be more efficient and cost effective in the long run, but it does take resources and time to build an approach to governance, just as it does to build a data system. And there will be fits and starts along the way, expansions and contractions, and the needs and questions will change. I see governance as a topic sort of trending again. It was hot right around 2014, 2015, when we had our first wave of states really thinking about governance. And then we sort of moved on to other things as a field. So I think because governance is hot, once again, with states, they're going right to sort of the natural inclination, which is to say, well, governance is a structure. It is, right? We all have governments. They are of a form, right? We have an executive branch, a legislative branch, a judicial branch. And then within the executive, we have agencies that administer programs. So governance will always have to take a form. But first think about those functionalities. And then also think about the leadership capacities of political leaders. Thanks, Missy. You know, Rebecca highlighted the ways that ECIDS is situated within a larger governance conversation. And you and I have worked with states to make sure that analytics uh, align to the program and policy needs that states have. Um, so governance really is that natural body to work with. Yeah, and I think her work on adaptive capacity really shows that well and aligns to what Bentley and others, we we kind of learned from the states, right? Her research has shown that states who have this consolidated governance uh, model are really able to adapt to the changing needs of the early childhood systems building initiatives, right? And so that is a really important part, and it does, again, this idea that that there's a linear process that develops in ECIDS that gets you to a, a, a platform, right, or a data system, whatever that might look like. Her work has really highlighted that the governance body should be driving a lot of this because we know that the, the needs of those bodies are going to change over time. And if these systems are being designed to inform key policy and program decisions, then they need to be really involved from the beginning. And the reality is that the data work sometimes leads the governance and sometimes it, it follows. Um, it's certainly been the case that States that have consolidated uh, early childhood programming within departments, which many have done as they've seen the benefits to creating a, a unified system of supports, you know, with common standards, common professional development, core competencies, those types of efforts to, to unify, to align, or to even consolidate certainly do create opportunities for data integration. But even then, we, we, there still are opportunities to reach out as you think about health, think about all sorts of other services and systems 
that are important to families and children that really are all of government, that span multiple departments. And so even those states that have been able to really bring together the programs and then the data still have the need to think about the hard work of reaching out, building trust, developing technology solutions, and developing decision-making processes that are transparent and that bring everybody along at every step of the way. The reverse can be true also. Sometimes a data integration initiative, even one that may be written into a you know preschool development grant state plan, can lend itself to other types of collaboration and support between departments. And I think that that is a very good thing. It is a way that ECIDS can help build resilience in government, even as we think about the shared leadership and ownership as being a resiliency factor for the use of data from these systems. These interviews have shared the challenges and their successes in positioning with ECIDS. And as you mentioned, Phil, there is no one right way to do this. Every state has taken a different approach and really been able to one, leverage what they have already done successfully and then try to build a team that uh, aligns to the state's needs. Um, And as Rebecca points out, to some of the, even just the ethos of the state itself. And so that is, I think, an important reason for some of the differences. The differences are, you know, we've never seen those as a bad thing. We've seen those as a really positive thing. And there are lots of lessons learned about how those models can be shared and used by others to kind of uh, make some progress on the ECIDS. And so uh, I think these interviews today really highlight those differences well, as well as the things that have really been successful in positioning the work in state agencies. Uh, So we thank you all for listening and we hope you uh, join us for future conversations about the resiliency factors on a future podcast.